Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Zoomcast. I'm Sasita and I have Isuru with me today. Hi Isuru. Hi Sasita. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. So, uh we were doing a series of episodes in which we were discussing how to build a proper javascript web application so in our previous episode uh, we went through uh, selecting the browser and its versions we uh, set up the environments and uh, we added a carousel to the ui to continue our journey with building the javascript application we have johan today so without a further ado let's begin So uh welcome back Johan how have you been doing I'm doing good thank you how are you Yeah I'm doing fine So uh in our application let's say uh, as a first step I'm going to uh, we going to obviously have a index html and in this index html I'm going to uh, add a script tag and within this script tag uh, I'm just going to uh, define my variable Is it a good idea to do it in this way or have I done something bad already Uh I would take it as a, a bad practice I will explain it uh, with an example uh, so think that you are creating a script tag and inside that script tag if you are creating a variable called uh, test and assigning a value to it say you are assigning uh, a string literal uh, and uh, within that uh, script you might be doing some other things as well and uh, in your uh, application there might be several script uh, script tags and uh, inside those scripts script files or script tags you might be having different different uh, uh, variables functions and so on so uh, while you are writing this uh, application you might accidentally come across a variable which is the same which is using the same name which you referred in the previous script so uh, previously you created the variable you declared the variable as test and assigned it a string and in the second script if you refer the same name uh, test and assign a uh, integer value say number 5 Uh, then what will happen is in JavaScript context, everything will get executed sequentially, uh, and uh, when it is getting interpreted uh, in the browser, first, first, uh, uh, this first script will get executed, and it will create this variable uh, in the global scope. And afterwards, when it comes to the second script, it will override the first variable with the second value. because uh, javascript doesn't have type safety anyway so it doesn't care whether you are apply uh, you are uh, setting a uh, integer value to a, a string variable also so uh, what happens is uh, even though you defined a variable uh, you ne- newly created the variable using var keyword or let keyword it will newly create it won't newly create the variable it will use the same reference which you created earlier and replace the value of that to integer 5 so uh, in later times when you are referring to that variable in the first script thinking that it it should be a string va- value but it will be a integer value so 
this might end up with weird behaviors when you are implementing your applications so uh, i think you all might have uh, come across these kind of situations where in callbacks you might be referring to global variables and they are having different values uh, because of uh, or like getting it over written in different different contexts so uh, there are uh, several ways to mitigate this issue as well and this is a, a commonly uh, done mistake so uh, what kind of ways can we use to mitigate this issue so uh, the immediate solution would be that uh, you can create the variable within a scope so what uh, i explained earlier is the global scope whenever you are creating a variable directly within the script tag or script file it will get created in the global scope if you are defining a function and within that function uh, curly braces within that scope if you are defining a variable that variable is uh, created within that scope so uh, it's it's that block scope uh, which you are referring to and it won't get created in the global scope so then this problem will not arise so uh, then again uh, someone uh, might argue saying that uh, if we are creating uh, the variable using var keyword then again it will get created in the uh, global call stack uh, and uh, let keyword is the uh, best approach where it uh, def by definition uh, it uses the scoping uh, as uh, defined by the step uh, defined in the spec uh, and again uh, in either case what happens is uh, if you are defining variables within the uh, function scope even though you use var or let it will get declared in the call stack but it won't get overridden in that manner which happened uh, earlier when we created the variable directly in the uh, script itself so johan now okay now according to what you say i have to scope my variables using my variables in using functions and classes and now okay imagine that i have done it i have done it within a uh, javascript file now we all know that i have to refer this javascript file in my index html to to it to be get loaded now we know there are multiple places we can put this script reference we can either put it in the head we can either put it in the body beginning of the body or the end of the body what do you think what is the best place to put these script tags or script references in a index html okay so uh, in this case uh, we have to uh, actually understand how browser interprets uh, whatever the code we are writing uh, in our html document mm -hmm. so how browser works is if you are creating a script tag without uh, specifying any additional attributes if you just specify the source and uh, put a script tag what happens is it will be a blocking call browser is a kind of like a interpreter 
where it will interpret all the lines one by one. So uh, if you are having a HTML document where you have the head tag and within the head tag, if you directly have the script element, what will happen is browser will go through each and every line of uh, lines, uh, lines which we have written. And uh, when it comes to this script tag, it's a, a external reference. So mm -hmm. in that case, it will go to the server, get this downloaded. So while this file is getting downloaded, it will be a blocking call. It won't execute any of the additional codes afterwards until this file gets downloaded and uh, it's being initialized. So in this case, soon after this file gets downloaded only, it will move to the next line of code and so on and so forth. So think of a scenario where you have a huge JavaScript file, say it's like 2MB and uh, if it is getting downloaded uh, and if you have the reference on the top of your uh, head, uh, then uh, without even loading any of the document's body content, the browser will try to download this particular file. So in that case, you won't see anything in your screen, but it will be a blank screen until this gets downloaded. So it's uh, it's a, a bad use experience, right? You yeah. come to a site and you don't see anything. It's just a white, uh, white color background. Nothing is there. After two seconds, only things come up. So in this case, uh, what you can do is without referring it in the head section, you can move the script tags to the latter part of the body section. So uh, what happens with that is now, as I mentioned, browser will uh, interpret each and every uh, whatever the uh, HTML DOM element and go through one by one uh, in an interpreted manner uh, and uh, all the DOM content will get executed uh, until it hits this uh, JavaScript file because we referred it in the latter part of the body. So soon after it hits the uh, JavaScript file, it will try to download. At that point, all the DOM content will be there uh, and uh, user will see a lot of things until this JavaScript file gets downloaded. So at least user can see a progress what is going on and we can use different different approaches to animate and put loading uh, css animations and so on to uh, make sure that there is a better user experience and uh, when we are placing it in the bottom it will always be a better user experience uh, in addition to that there is one other thing now uh, when we are creating script tags uh, if it is a huge file, we can always uh, split it into uh, multiple files as well. Uh, now, when it comes to Chrome, uh, it can parallelly download uh, five uh, script files. It depends on the browser. Uh, like this might vary uh, depending mm -hmm. on uh, latest updates as well. So parallel downloading capabilities there, if you can distribute scripts, uh, uh, whatever the script content uh, within a couple of files and get this downloaded then again it will be a bit faster rather than having a bulky javascript file which has all the content in it uh, 
Uh, and again, you you have to always uh, make sure that it's not more than, uh, say, if you are distributing everything within 20 script files, what will happen is it will try to download five at once and wait uh, until it's get uh, getting uh, like until it's uh, done, and then only it will move to the next uh, set of files. So in that case, it will be a bottleneck. So always make sure you go with the correct combination, correct, uh, like with the behavior you are expecting, you have to make sure that uh, you use the optimum approach. Okay, so uh, let me backtrack a little bit. You used the word DOM several times in your uh, explanation. Now, for the, our listeners who do not understand the context, DOM refers to document object model. Uh, Johan, would you like to... Uh, Give a little bit of insight into what DOM is and how it works. Exactly. So uh, this is one of the core concepts uh, every JavaScript uh, developer should know. Uh, DOM is basically the uh, actual mapping of the document content, HTML document content. Uh, say, for an instance, uh, you have a document, a HTML document, which has several div tags, inputs, buttons, and so on uh, in the body area. And uh, you have a few style sheet references, script references, and so on in this HTML document. So in this case, when it comes to JavaScript con context, what we do is whatever the operations we do within the JavaScript, we can interact with the HTML content and make manipulations, right? So how we make manipulations is uh, with, with the DOM. So DOM is the actual mapping between uh, JavaScript context and uh, HTML document. It's like the bridge between uh, these two paradigms. You write the HTML, and within the JavaScript, you can access whatever the elements you created in the HTML document in JavaScript via the DOM. So document model is like a one-to-one -one mapping uh, object model, which has the references to all the uh, document content of your HTML uh, markup what you wrote. So you can do manipulations to that document via the DOM and you can access things, you can again push things to DOM, and you can do a whole lot of things with this document model. So actually we touched on my next question, that is uh, manipulating the DOM. So let's say like in our application, we have a carousel. So if, if I click on the next button on the carousel, it's actually a DOM manipulation, right? So uh, in that aspect, so what are the best practices or what are the pitfalls when it comes to manipulating the DOM? That's a good question. So uh, I will take a simple example to explain this scenario. Uh, so uh, think of an instance uh, where uh, there is a, a HTML document and uh, you have a button tag and a div tag and uh, you want to change the color of the div tag depending on the clicks, uh, click of the uh, button. So uh, first off, when you click, uh, click on the button, you want to change the color to red color. And if you click again, you want to make it blue color. So in this scenario, if you are to write the code to reflect this, what you have to do is you have to actually create a click event for this button and afterwards, uh, when you click on this button, you have to get the reference of the uh, div tag and then change the color of the div tag. So when you are doing this, 
there are multiple approaches to uh, achieve this one is you can uh, get the element reference of this uh, button and then you can create the click event on top of that element and afterwards inside the click event you can refer the div tag and with that div tag reference you can change the color so first off when you click on the button what happens is it uh, when the javascript code gets executed it will create the uh, click event anyway and afterwards with the uh, bound click event uh, when you click on this button uh, it will traverse through the dom and uh, get this uh, div element and then uh, you will be changing the color uh, say now you are clicking again then again what will happen is it will go through the dom and find this particular element and change the color of it so the wrong thing behind this uh, approach is whenever you click on this button it will always traverse through the dom and uh, get the element and change the color so i will talk a little more about dom traversing now whenever you are referring to a particular element in the dom model what happens is now the simplest example is you can refer to a particular element uh, saying document dot get element by id so that is uh, one of the most common ways of uh, uh, getting element and there are multiple approaches like you can get element by class name and there are so many other approaches query selectors and so on in this case if you are referring to a simple element by the id what what happens is first of it will go through the dom root and see whether immediately this particular uh, id reference tag is there and if it is not there it will go to the next level of the dom tree and it will traverse through this whole dom tree recursively to find the particular element which you are looking for in this case uh, as i took a simple example where we had the div tag if it is closer to the dom root when you are saying document dot get element by d it, it's looking for the uh, lo looking for the element from the root so in this case if it is clo closer to the root you will get the element soon but if it is a huge web application mm -hmm. where you have so many uh, components child, child yeah. yeah so in this case you have you have to spend a lot of time figuring out okay where this element is and this dom traversing is very costly when it comes to javascript it's like if you are spending uh, 5 milliseconds on doing all these calculations all the th other things dom traversing takes 100 milliseconds it's a hu huge uh, hit uh, when it comes to dom traversing mm -hmm. so you have to always minimize this the way you can do this is Uh, without referring to the uh, dom uh, without referring to the uh, dom uh, dom elements uh, always you can cache the dom elements and refer it uh, whenever you want it so in your script uh, whatever the javascript code you can identify in your click event if you want this particular element to be referred you can directly create a reference of that uh, element uh, you can uh, say document dot get element by d and create a variable and keep it outside the scope of uh, this click event 
So then that variable reference will be there. Uh, and within the click event, you can use that particular reference and do the manipulations. So in JavaScript, document model and like the whole object model is uh, passed by reference. So these DOM elements are again reference types. So whenever you make the changes to the DOM elements, it will get reflected in the uh, HTML document. And again, uh, uh, if you change it, if you change the variable, uh, whatever the reference uh, in multiple instances, it will always get reflected. So you don't have to always traverse in the DOM and find this particular element and make the changes. So then again, uh, if we use modern frameworks like let's say React.js, I know that React.js uses a virtual DOM, right? So this uh, DOM traversal and all these DOM manipulation functions are handled within React itself. Interesting question. So uh, React identified this issue of DOM traversing because uh, at some point you have to do a DOM traversing, you can't write any JavaScript heavy, whatever the web application uh, without doing a DOM traverse. Mm -hmm. So if it is this uh, much costly, what, what if we had a document model where we have all the reference inbuilt within your JavaScript code where you, it, it's uh, always cached in a cached manner where you don't have to traverse through the domain, identify all these and do query selecting, ID-based reference selecting and all those. If you have them directly accessible via your uh, like script, then it'll be nice, right? Yeah. So as I've explained earlier, if I had that variable with the DOM element cached uh, in my script, then I can always refer back to it. So in this case, what React did was, React, the whole concept behind React is that uh, whenever you are creating whatever the uh, web page itself, your web application, you are creating all the elements in your JavaScript file. You are giving all the uh, HTML document content uh, using JSX syntax. So inside React, what it does is, it will go through this HTML content and create all the document, uh, whatever the uh, uh, DOM elements within the JavaScript and uh, inject it to the uh, HTML. Uh, so in this case, they have access to all the references which they are which they are creating in the react context and they can always refer back to that particular reference and make the changes rather than going back to the dom and traverse through the dom to identify this particular element and do the manipulations so in this case it will be way faster because they have all the references of the application whenever they want it so with the component model which they are proposing, with those components, you can directly refer to that particular element and they are like scoped uh, uh, among components. So it will be a very optimum uh, time duration uh, to get the reference and do the manipulations and whatever you do, manipulations you do to the virtual DOM will get reflected in the uh, actual DOM. So the simple uh, concept behind this is 
everything is a reference type whatever you create in the uh, javascript uh, like if you are referring to a dom element it's a reference whenever you make a change to the reference it will get reflected in the html document interesting so uh, so far we've been talking about just the browser side of javascript but uh, if we uh, take javascript in general say uh, in an actual project where multiple developers are developing at the same time uh, is there a way for us to guarantee that uh, everyone follows the same uh, style of coding and the same uh, coding practices in the application yes of course so uh, in uh, most cases uh, this is a, a major issue where uh, all the developers in the project doesn't follow the same practices or else uh, there is no practice at all in javascript uh, what i saw throughout my years of experience is that you can do the same thing in various ways and people might come and say okay why don't you do it this way and that way and there are various approaches various coding standards and so on which you can follow and get things done but uh, as a practice in whatever the language i think it's always best to follow a guideline for your project at least so uh, in this case uh, there are a set of uh, tools called linters to achieve this so the very first uh, linter which was introduced is uh, js lint it was uh, implemented by douglas crockford one of the uh, leading uh, javascript uh, gurus so far Uh, he is the uh, person who uh, implemented the json data structure hope you all know about json it's like one it's of embedded the embedded into javascript basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there is a interesting story behind that as well so you better read that uh, it's a nice thing uh, yeah maybe we can include that to the show description so that <laughs> people can go through it yeah so uh, now uh, js lint so what it does is uh, it defines a set of rules like how to write better java code javascript code so if you are writing a javascript uh, uh, code uh, and if you are say i'm i'm taking a simple example if you are defining a variable in the global scope it's wrong right i told that uh, in the previous very first example it's a wrong thing to do we should not do it that way so linter will analyze your javascript file and identify the global references global variables whatever you have defined and it will tell you okay this is bad and it will give you a warning don't do it this way so how you get these warnings is via the ids so you can uh, have this linter integrated to your ide Uh, if you are using jetbrains atom sublime text or whatever the text editor uh, uh, this uh, ide which you uh, write your code in you can integrate this linter tool and it will automatically uh, go through the uh, uh, whatever the code segments you are writing and it will notify you uh, okay there is a issue with this code fix this that is a very small uh, simple example which i've taken about the global scopes there are so many rules which you can apply on top of it and this whole set of rules is again configurable 
you can specify all these rules in a json file uh, which has the configurations and uh, when you define these configurations set of configurations according to your project if you define okay these are the rule sets uh, which i want i want uh, four spaces whenever i uh, click on a tab uh, that kind of a roles again can be configured so then it will analyze through the uh, javascript files and uh, see whether that is there and uh, with that you can uh, commit this particular configuration and whoever the developer takes up this project has to follow this that set of rules so uh, i was talking about all these ids but someone might argue saying that okay if i am not using id which doesn't support uh, this or else if it is uh, in a uh, uh, CICD context where I don't have ID at all how do we do this analysis so uh, you can actually integrate this particular functionality to your build process as well where with that it will run the uh, linter uh, functionality and it will analyze all of this and give you a report so there are various way to, ways to integrate it and in the command line itself you can invoke this as well and uh, ask it to watch the file source changes and uh, uh, notify you as well so uh, you can follow either of these and uh, I will highlight few of the linters I mentioned about JS lint and uh, Currently, uh, one of the famous ones for uh, JavaScript is ESLint. Uh, JSLint rule set is not that broad, but uh, nowadays with the latest ECMAScript versions uh, to support all those, we have ESLint. And if you are using TypeScript, we have TESLint. If you want to actually uh, run a lint on uh, CSS, you can use CSSLint. If you are using SAS, you have SASLint. Likewise, for almost everything html to so, yeah. whatever the thing you have a lint <laughs> yes so lint is basically what uh, points out what the errors are in the code and then reports it to the user or anybody who is reviewing the code right and of course basically you can run it inside the id or if you want to run it in the command line or whether you want to run it in the cicd environment it runs everywhere so uh, in today's episode uh, we covered some basic topics of uh, pitfalls or bad practices that you might be following unknowingly or unknowingly. Obviously, if you know you're following a bad practice, you won't follow that, right? But <laughs> then again, <laughs> Johan, so uh, if anybody's passionate about uh, writing proper code, like uh, Johan here, uh, Johan, do you have any uh, references for people who want to uh, write proper JavaScript code? Of course, there are several books. I can uh, uh, point out few of the books and uh, you can find out a uh, whole lot of videos if you go to YouTube and search and there are so many references. But uh, I will uh, reference a few of the uh, books which I followed uh, during uh, uh, my journey towards learning JavaScript. And uh, the very first book I followed is uh, Better Parts of JavaScript by Douglas Crockford. It is like the, like, uh, that is where I learned how to write proper JavaScript. Uh, in that book, uh, it discusses about uh, the various bad things which JavaScript has and the good things JavaScript has and how to mitigate all the bad things and uh, ignore all the bad things and follow the good practices, good things and write 
proper better JavaScript code. So it's a must read. But then again, uh, someone might say, okay, this is not the latest JavaScript which we are referring to. It's not class-based ES6, ES7 stuff. But even though you are writing ES6, 7 or ES3, it doesn't matter. Like the you better read that. The basics matter a lot more than what, what the ECMAScript version or TypeScript or whatever that you are using right now. Of course. I, I, because end of the day, it gets uh, passed into the basic JavaScript version that the browser interprets, right? Yep. So in that case, you have to always know the very basics, how this comes from, like where does this come from and why we are doing it this way and so on. Mm-hmm. If someone come and ask, okay, why are you not referring variables in the global scope? You might, like, you should be able to tell him, okay, this is because uh, whenever I create a variable in global scope, this happens likewise. Mm -hmm. The next book I want to refer is JavaScript Design Patterns by Adi Osmani. So this is one of the uh, very best uh, example-based, code-based uh, referenced uh, books which I've uh, referred uh, where I discuss about uh, all the uh, design patterns and how to implement them uh, in JavaScript context. Uh, people might think that, okay, JavaScript is a functional language. We don't have to think of all these object-oriented concepts and all these uh, nice patterns and so on. We can just write a set of functions and get things done. Why do we have to uh, create more tools, create, uh, like, think about the sense of container or apply singleton, uh, factory facade, all these patterns. So it matters a lot. Read that and see what you can do with JavaScript. There are a whole lot of things. Now JavaScript is not even limited to the browser context. You can do a whole lot of things with JS. And with all these pattern, design pattern knowledge and how to apply that in this context would help you a lot. And uh, the one final book I want to uh, reference is Clean Code by uh, Robert Martin. So this is not uh, something uh, related to JavaScript directly. Uh, It's basically discussing about how to write clean code, how to write a proper variable name, how to create a, uh, uh, how to write a proper comment. Likewise, how to uh, uh, name a uh, method and uh, how do you, uh, like what are the methods you have to put to a particular class? Does it uh, um, like does it make any sense if you put all these methods to a particular class? Likewise, in general, it discuss about the overall design flaws and uh, whatever the things you have to follow in development practices. So uh, it's not uh, directly related to JavaScript. It it's related to all the languages and uh, it's a must read. And uh, there are so many things to learn with this, and uh, it will be. It's it's a book uh, where after you re- read this, it will change the way you will think about coding, the way you thought about coding throughout. With that, we come to the end of today's episode. Thank you, Han, for joining with us to discuss about the pitfalls in JavaScript. Stay tuned, folks. We will be continuing our journey to build a proper JavaScript application in another episode. And have a nice day.